Corinthians chapter 1 tonight, and if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, let's stand. If I could play the piano, that's how it'd be right there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Philippians chapter number 1, thank you, Brother Munoz. Philippians chapter number 1, and we'll read a few verses that we've looked at. We're going to continue our series on Sunday nights, Finding Joy in the Journey. It's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice, and tonight... That you'll see from the verses that we'll look at, verses 6, 7, and 8, that we're focusing on serving Christ, and here's the key word, confidently, all right, confidently. Verse number 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for the heart of the Apostle Paul. Thank you for what you did in the life of the man known as Saul of Tarsus, how you changed him. Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us to have that spirit and that attitude. Lord, may we look to you and look to your word and find the confidence that we need to do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You look at these verses tonight and you think about what God has given us to do, like God had given Paul a ministry, a work to do for him. And I see how the world we live in today, the wisdom of this world constantly is telling us that we need to be better and quicker and smarter and richer than the next guy. Matter of fact, all the focus in the world today is all on self. It's all about uh, each individual person. But the Bible tells us that God's ways are not our ways. Matter of fact, through Isaiah the prophet, God recorded, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, you know, many times we put so much confidence in ourselves. I know that if I get up here anytime and think, oh, look, look what I can do, uh, I make a mess out of things, but I need to realize that my confidence, like Paul did, was that my confidence, your confidence, needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the passage tonight, there are some great principles, just from a few verses that we'll look at, and these principles help us when it comes to this matter of confidence and how confidence is not placed in ourselves, but it's placed in the Lord and how we can serve the Lord because of the confidence that He gives to us. Notice 
as we see here in verse number six, the confidence in ministry. The very word confident means to be persuaded of, to have a trust of, to be confident in, or just to be confident. You see, when you look at Paul's life and you see how he lived out the call of God on his life and the ministry God gave him, Paul's confidence was something that was not mere human hope. It was something that was absolute confidence that comes only from knowing and believing God's promises. And all of that stemmed from one thing. It all stemmed from Paul's conversion, his salvation. As a matter of fact, I love the fact that the book of Acts records Paul's conversion three times in the same book. And I think from studying his life and his testimony, Paul was able to be confident in the ministry because of what God had done in his life. The very phrase there that you see, being confident, if you study it out, it, it's, it's in what they call the perfect tense. What that means in layman's terms is this, that it expresses the continuous state of being confident of his salvation. Uh, I, I was just telling somebody at lunch today that I got saved 33 years ago, be 34 years, January 22nd, and I, I've known folks, and there may be some of you here tonight, that somewhere along the way after you got saved, maybe because of your past, maybe because of something that happened, maybe because of the flesh, or maybe a wrong thinking, sometimes I've heard people who have had doubts about their salvation. Now, they were truly saved. But because of circumstances or their past, they don't understand the eternal security of the believer. And many times there is a doubt. I had a guy years ago that helped me out in a Sunday school class, and his testimony is he got saved when he was four. But over the years, he, he had seasons of doubt. By the way, some of the greatest preachers that I've read stuff on, even those great men of God had seasons of doubt in their lives. But I can honestly say, like Paul's testimony, and again, it doesn't make me any better than anyone else here tonight, but I've never doubted my salvation in 33 years. Now, I think a lot of times what the devil loves to do is he likes to use that against us because we will never reach our full potential if we're not confident. Years ago, I had, I had the privilege, I guess you could call it a privilege, I always said I'd never, never, be careful about saying the word never, but I always said that I would never do a sales job. And I found myself, and the Lord actually put me in this position. And I found that as I did that job, that, that I, if, I, if I learned the product, and I had confidence in the product, then I could sell it. Well, folks, I'm not selling anything tonight. But I'll tell you this, I have full confidence in God's word, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in the God whom I serve. And just like the Apostle Paul, you and I need to have our confidence in God and not in ourselves. It's kind of like the family that was taking vacation and they were driving across the, 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 the um, uh, country and they, came, uh, uh, they were driving along and on their journey they came across this sign and as the husband was driving along, he was kind of doing his thing, you know, figuring, I don't need anybody's help. I can drive. I don't need GPS. I don't need a map book. I don't need my wife telling me where to go. And he just kept on driving. And he saw this large sign, and his wife said, honey, did you see that sign? And the sign said, 
road closed, do not enter. So he thought to himself, he thought, well, they put signs up like that all the time. And he figured if I could just keep going, he says, there's probably not going to be many people on this road. And it'll probably get us to our destination quicker by going this way. So he kept on driving and he drove for a while and he kept driving and he was getting pretty uh, pretty satisfied with himself. As a matter of fact, he was boasting to his wife about how much time that he figured they were shaving off on their trip. And he got to the place where all of a sudden he saw something ahead and he got there and he had to stop and turn around because there was a sign that said bridge out. Bridge had been washed away and the wife looked over at him and his smile and his confidence began to kind of fade away as he turned around. It was real quiet in the car as he's driving back the direction he just came from. He's driving along, nobody really said anything. The kids were in the back seat of the car. And all of a sudden, they got back to where the warning sign was that told him, road closed, do not enter. And on the back of the sign were these large letters that somebody had put on there that said, Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) Now, his confidence was in himself. But when I look at Paul's life, I see just the opposite. Paul's confidence and our confidence always needs to be in the Lord. We need to make sure that our confidence is in the Lord. See, Paul was confident of God's working in in their lives. And I see in this passage here, first of all, the originator of uh, redemption, how that Paul's confidence was in the Lord. Look what it says in verse number six again. As the verse begins, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Notice he writes here, he which began. You see, God is the one who is the originator. Paul knew that God had saved him. Uh, He couldn't save himself. He, He had tried to live a life by keeping the law and keeping the commandments and all that. But the Bible says if you've offended one point, you've offended the whole law. And Paul began to understand who the originator of redemption was. Peter was another one. Look what Peter wrote. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, what was manifest in these last days for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope may be in who? In God. See, look, folks, uh, we need to have confidence and in the originator of redemption because it is God who began this work in us. It is God who has saved us. And Paul had confidence in God because he knew that his salvation was in Christ. But notice, he also had confidence in the operation of redemption. Because again, when you think about it, we're talking here about redemption is really twofold. It is salvation, he which hath begun. But then notice the second part is sanctification. The Bible says that he who saved us will perform it. See, folks, once we are saved by grace, God will continue to work. You know what we are? We're a work in progress, are we not? 
Nobody's arrived. Paul says, I've not yet apprehended. Look at all the things that he did in his life for the Lord, but yet he never made it. It's like the man who was, was thinking about this matter of being saved and how the sanctified life about continuing on with the Christian life. And he, he was praying with his pastor at the altar one day. And as they were there praying, he prayed a prayer that as he was praying it, the pastor heard what he said. And he heard, he's heard this man pray this prayer on numerous occasions. And so the man's praying along and he prays, Lord, take the cobwebs out of my life. And when he said that, the pastor had heard him say it many times. And the pastor just got to the place when he said, Lord, take the cobwebs out of my life. The pastor then said in his ear, kill the spider, Lord. Seriously. Some people in their lives, they get saved and they become a babe in Christ. And here's what they do. They just suck on the spiritual bottle the rest of their lives. They don't grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, look, God has saved us and he is sanctifying us. And you and I need to understand, as it says here in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Notice, look at the verse. Created in Christ Jesus. Well, why, why did God save us? Unto good works. The Bible says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul understood. He understood that, that God was the originator. He had confidence in the Lord because of his salvation and because of the operation of redemption. God had saved him and God was sanctifying him. But look at this. He had confidence in the outcome of redemption. Look with again in verse number six. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it. Notice here, it says here, the outcome, until the day of Christ. The word will perform, that phrase there, it actually means to bring to an end, to accomplish, to perfect, to execute, to complete. I read a story about a, a, a London businessman. He had a, some property and he was trying to consolidate, sell a few things off. And he had this warehouse that he was wanting to sell, and he had it for sale, and this guy responded to his ad, and so they met at the warehouse, and as they, he opened the door, he was telling this, the, the, the man that was interested, and he was telling him all about the building, and they were kind of looking around, and, and what had happened was they had, had to board it up, it had been closed for a couple months, and there had been some vandalism, some of the windows got broke out. There had been some other things that had been spray-painted and destroyed. And the, the guy that was selling it, he was, he was telling the man that was interested in buying it, he says, listen, he said, uh, I'll do all I can. He says, uh, matter of fact, I'll just have, I'll have some guys come in and I'll have them kind of wash a few things, kind of sweep up the floor a little bit and, and do some repairs. And the, the man said, he says, listen, I'm interested in this building. And he says, when I buy it, he says, forget about the repairs. He says, I'm going to do something totally different. He says, I don't want the building. I want the site. I don't want this building. I want the site. And that's God's message to us. God's message to us is that God has big renovation plans for your life and mine. You see, God knows who we are. God is the one that saved us. And look, many times we think, 
well, we can just sweep the floor. Maybe we can just clean a little bit here and there. No, no, no. God's interested in total renovation. God wants to change us, and that's God's message that the old life is over in all things. Look what it says here. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things, not just a part of your life, not just one area of your life, all things are become what? New. See, God is going to renovate us. And, you know, a lot of people in life and even a lot of Christians, they're trying to reform. I'm glad that God doesn't reform. God's in the redemption business. God, God changes us. God's work is good. But listen, God's work is not only good, it is a complete work. That's what the Bible says there, that he will perform, he'll execute it, he'll complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so I see Paul had confidence in the ministry, but not only did he have confidence, I also see the cooperation in the ministry. I love ministry. I love doing ministry with other people. And look what it says in verse number seven. The Bible says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all. Because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. This matter of cooperation. How many of you saw in the news the other day, I think it was uh, Thursday, that they arrested an 18-year-old boy at Flanagan High School with a, gun on, with a gun on him. Anybody see that on the news? 18 years old. We were actually, Brother Chris and I, we were, we were actually attending, a, a, we're, we're kind of doing, I think I mentioned before, a little police academy thing for citizens, and we were there, and they were covering the media portion that, that evening on Thursday night, and this happened Thursday during the day. And the officer was telling us Thursday night, he says, the story hasn't even broke to the news yet. He goes, matter of fact, you all are getting this news before the news media is getting it. And he told us the whole story. And, and when I got home, it was on a couple of the uh, news channels. And I watched it. 18-year-old boy uh, who had been a former student, was wearing a hood, hooded uh, sweatshirt, was on the campus. And uh, one of the uh, SROs, one of the police officers that a school, he's a school officer. And I, by the way, I never thought the day would come, but I'm glad they're there. But there was an officer that saw this young man and he recognized him because many of these officers are on the school campus. And he, he, he basically tried to talk to him, but he ignored him. He was non-responsive. So what did the officer do? He called for the other SRO that was there at the school. So he comes over, cooperates with him to try to, to detain this young man and come to find out that he, he still was not cooperating. One of them had to grab him by his backpack they finally got him in handcuffs. He had a hand in his pocket, and they were trying to get his hand out of his pocket. When he finally took his hand out of his pocket, and they got him handcuffed or, or whatever they used to restrain him, they reached into his pocket, and he had a pistol that had a clip that was, could hold 31 bullets, and there was 11 in the, in the clip. They, had, they still, I don't know if they know exactly what he was going to do, but he was on school campus, and he was getting ready to do something. Had it not been for the cooperation of those two officers, it could have been a different story. And I think about ministry, folks, look, this is not my ministry. This is the Lord's work. And understand that I cannot do it, nor can any, any Christian do the work of God by themselves. 
It takes all of us working together to be partakers of the grace of God. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, look, I'm not in this by myself. I, I'm not out here playing Lone Ranger. He says, I need all of you to be involved in the ministry that God has given us to do. We never know when we will need someone to cooperate with us, in that case at the school, maybe to save a life. Or how about this? Sometimes we might have somebody that would cooperate with us in ministry to help change someone's eternal destiny. I know a lot of times I've been out with folks and somebody will start talking to somebody about the Lord. And you know, a lot of times I'll stand there. I've, I've been out with people. I've, I've held babies while somebody witnessed to somebody. I, I've actually entertained a dog on a few occasions. I've done quite a few different things to just because the devil does not want to see people saved. He's going to do everything he can to distract. And when we cooperate together, what happens? God's will and God's work is done. And Paul says, look, I have confidence in what God's done in my life, how God saved me. But notice his cooperation is something, first of all, from the heart. Paul says that I have you in my heart there in verse number seven. Paul had a heart of love for these people. Paul was committed to these people. Folks, listen, you, you and I, we need to show people how much we care about them. And you know how you do that? By spending time with them, by, by taking notice of them. You know, we were, the other night we were, we were out there and uh, we had our first ball game. Don't ask me about it, but we had our first ball game. And uh, we, we had a good time, you know, and uh, the score is a different story, but we had a good time. And I was out there, and of course, we were just talking, doing things, and I look over, and there's Brother Tim with some of the young kids. He's over there playing with the kids. I'm like, we're out here playing ball. Brother Tim's over here playing with the kids. But that's just in his heart. He just wants to, to, to be an encouragement to children to say, hey, look, we love you. We care about you. It's not just for an hour on Sunday. He says, look, I, I have you in my heart. We sing that song, blessed be the tie that binds. You know what that tie is? It's Jesus. That's the common bond that we have. Look at John wrote in 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love who? The brethren. You know, nothing wrong with saying to somebody, I love you, brother. You know? have to be a little careful if I, if I want to express something like that to a lady. But, but again, we should be able to express how much we love, how much we cooperate from the heart. But notice also there was a cooperation in the ministry that Paul's writing here. And of course, we know this is one of the prison epistles. And even from prison, Paul was cooperating uh, with them and they were cooperating with Paul in, in chapter four of this same book. Look what the Bible says in verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have done well, he says, that ye did communicate with my affliction. I mean, here's Paul, and he's serving the Lord, and God, for whatever reason, has him where he does for a time period. And the one thing I love about Paul was everywhere he was at, people were always, and by the way, if you're going to be a witness for the Lord, there's always going to be someone that doesn't agree with what you, what you believe. We were at lunch today, and we were in a public restaurant. And it's funny, when we start talking to people about the Lord, you can just see people's ears sitting close by, you know, because I don't talk quiet. 
And so I'm, I'm just sitting in there, and I'm witnessing to somebody, and we're talking about the Lord. My wife was sharing some verses, and I could see the people at the table next to us. Boy, they were just, I could just see they were just listening to everything we said. We, my wife and I, we went to Costco the other day, just uh, stopped in there for a couple minutes, and we, uh, my wife looked at me, and it was late, uh, early afternoon, and we didn't really have a lunch, and she said, hey, do you want to get something to eat real quick? You know, we're big spenders, $1.99 for a hot dog and soda. No, a dollar and a quarter, dollar and a quarter, I think it is. And uh, my wife loves those hot dogs from Costco, you know, and so we'll go over there, and uh, so we stopped in, we got something, we sat down to eat. Well, listen, we're... We're about to eat food. What do you do when you eat? Pray. Some of you do know that, right? So I bowed my head. I prayed. I got done. And, and as soon as I opened my eyes, I heard some lady, I don't know if she said amen or something. And she sat there and, and listened, to, listened to me pray. And whenever I lifted up my head, she was smiling. You know. And folks, look, we, we need to understand how very important it is that, that everywhere we go, the, Paul was one that that was always giving a defense for the ministry. We see this in this word here is that the word defense means a speech given in defense. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel and, and he was cooperating from the heart and for the ministry. But notice he was also cooperating in the spirit. In verse number seven, look at the last part of the verse. The Bible says that in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are Ye all are partakers of my grace. And we see this cooperation here out there, the grace of God, how Paul looked at these people and these folks were dear to him. They were spiritual partners in the work of the Lord. And when I think about those that God has brought to our church and those that were here when I came three years ago, hey, listen, I love serving God with the people that God has here. We're all partakers of the grace of God. And Paul had a confidence in the Lord and in the ministry that God had given to him and he loved look here he is in jail and he's talking about how he just loves them and he, he they're dear to his heart and so he expresses that thirdly look at in the compassion that he has not only for them but in the ministry in verse number eight look at it for God he says is my record God is my record God is his witness is what he's saying and you think about this how important it is that you and I have a compassion for the lost, and you and I have a compassion for the ministry. And I, I know years ago we went uh, to, to uh, serve the Lord. Our first ministry was in Maryland in the Baltimore area. And, and there's, uh, if you've ever been up there, there's the Key Bridge, they call it, Francis Scott Key, Fort McHenry, kind of a neat area, history around there. And, and uh, I remember crossing that bridge, I think one of the first times that bridge goes way up, because there's, there's large ships that come in right there. And we were crossing that, and I remember, I don't know if it was first time or first couple times, it was dark, and I, I looked over, and you can see the city of Baltimore, and you can see all the lights to the city of Baltimore as you're crossing that bridge. And then God led us out to California, and we were out there with our pastor for 12 years, and I remember there's this spot, there's this lookout, as you're coming down out of the mountain range a little bit, there's a little pull-off area right there off the highway that when you pull in there, you can actually see the entire Antelope Valley that we lived in for about 12 years. And at nighttime, when you look out, you can see all the lights, all the houses that represent all the families, all the people. And I remember the testimony of those two pastors. 
and how both of them said that 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 is what got them. The Lord used that to help them understand that every one of those lights represents souls that need the Lord. And it gave them a capacity to love these people and a compassion to love them. And, you know, I was reading how, a uh, true story, there was a, a newly appointed pastor and one day he was standing in his office, his study at the church, and he was standing looking out the window and one of the members saw the newer pastor and saw him looking out the window and, and noticed that as he was standing there, that he was standing in the window weeping. And the new member, the, the, the member of the, the church there, he saw the pastor weeping and he went inside and knocked on his door, went in and he, he said, Pastor, he says, is something okay? Is there something wrong? Can I help you with something? And he, he was trying to do his best to console him and he saw him just staring out the window and, and he, he said to the pastor, he said, don't worry. He says, after you've been here a while, he says, you'll get used to it. What he was looking at was he was looking at the inner city. He was looking at all the tragedy that he could see as far as the eye could see. And he was just thinking about the lost and the compassion that he had. And this member said, you know, the longer you're here, he says, you'll, you'll forget about it. You'll get over it. And the pastor's response was, yes, I know. That's why I was crying. I think we just get used to it. You know, we've been saved for so long that we kind of lose our compassion for others. It's easy to do, is it not? We need to make sure that we stay compassionate for others. And notice he says here, first of all, the witness of his compassion, because again, he says in the first part of verse 8, God is my record. God's my witness. He said the same thing to those in Rome. Look at Romans 1.9. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I may mention of you always in my prayers. Look, God knew Paul's heart. He also writes in 1 Thessalonians 2.5, Neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. You know, God not only knew Paul's heart, but God knew Paul's integrity. He knew that Paul had a heart of compassion for those in the ministry. And so I see the witness of his compassion, but notice the fervency of his compassion. The Bible says in verse 8 again, he says, look at these words. He says, I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. How greatly he longed. Paul loved these people. He loved them with a Christ-like love. And he longed for them. He expressed that. Look, when's the last time you actually expressed your love for another brother or sister in Christ. I mean, I'm not talking superficial and on the surface. I'm talking about really express your love for someone. Hey, I appreciate you. You know, I love you in the Lord. Say, so where do you get this from? Well, look at, look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Look what Paul writes. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved. He says, and long for, he calls them my joy and my crown. He says, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He calls them that twice. My joy and my crown. This is the man, if I need to remind you, that was killing Christians. Folks, how does that happen? Because he had confidence in the Lord. 
There was a cooperation in ministry. Philippians 2.17, Yea, and if it be offered upon, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, look at this, if I be offered, I joy and rejoice with you all. If I be offered, I'm willing to give of myself, to be spent for you. Paul says, look, I, I have a fervency of my compassion. I love you in the Lord. And so with confidence in God, look, just like Paul, you know what we need to do? We need to keep loving people. We just need to keep sharing Jesus with others. I love the book of Acts, and as it, the book closes, the very last verse that the Bible records there, verse 31, look at it, and this is talking about Paul's life as he was under house arrest, preaching the kingdom of God, and watch, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next three words? With all confidence. No man forbidding it. See, Paul had a confidence, a confidence to serve Christ. And that's what you and I need. We need to have confidence in the Lord. We need to cooperate together in ministry. And we certainly need a compassion, a compassion that Paul had. But listen, that compassion comes from the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. Lord, thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to do ministry, to be a part of ministry. And I pray that tonight that all of us that are sitting here do not, we're not under the impression that ministry is just Pastor Keeley or Pastor Kenny or Pastor Chris, but we're all called to do a work for you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a confidence. If we're saved tonight, Lord, we ought to have our extreme confidence in you because of what you have done, what you began, and what you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to cooperate in ministry. We need each other. We need to get involved more in the work of God. Lord, give us a compassion. The bowels of Jesus Christ. I think about how the Lord, His heart was for us. He gave Himself that we can have eternal life. He loved us all the way to Calvary. And that is the way we need to love others. Now, Lord, bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?